0: Welcome to the Bloody Disgusting Podcast, everyone. The podcast where we discuss all the disgusting things we love in the horror world. And to discuss the disgusting, you know her as lead movie critic for Bloody Disgusting Horror Movie Fanatic and Journalist, Megan Navarro. Hey, Megan. Hello. You know her from her YouTube channel and website, Real Queen of Horror, and for her infinite love for the genre, Zena Dixon. Hey, Zena.
1: Hey.
0: And I'm John. If you're a regular listener, you might be wondering why we skipped over addressing questions and comments sent through to our listener line. And if you submitted any, don't worry. We'll hold on to those for next week. This week, however, we're shaking things up with a very special episode. And we needed to make room for our special guest crossover. Kimberly Elizabeth and Jonathan DeHaan, the co-hosts and co-founders of Nightmare on Film Street Podcast, how it is horror for the casually obsessed. Kimberly and John bring infectiously candid and comedic take on horror each podcast episode and through their website, nofspodcast.com. Welcome, Kimberly and John. Hey!
2: Hello. Thank you so much for Thanks.
3: having us. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. This is, is going to be a
0: welcome. blast. Don't welcome thank welcome. us yet. We haven't got into
3: it. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, love seeing, I love seeing the energy when people are getting called on like for a bit to go on stage. It's great. Ready to rumble.
1: <laughs> Let's
0: go. If you're listening to this on a Wednesday when the episode drops, we hope your week's been filled with all the best kinds of horror. If not, we're going to do our quick round the table for the movies, books, games, and anything else in horror that might be making the five of us smile right now. Maybe there'll be things that'll make you smile, too. So, Kim, John... We are dying to know what's been filling your horror hearts this week. Kimberly, you start.
2: Ooh. What have you been watching? Yeah, well, so recently uh, we did the Shout Factory. They had the Shocktober sale, and we recently got a bunch of our purchases. And I kind of splurged a little bit and went to Dark Castle and got mm-hmm. uh, Ghost Ship, 13 Ghosts. And I also yeah. watched Valentine. I've been going through like the early 2000s horrors. So uh, I'm going to stick with Ghost Ship. We watched that one last night. Um, obviously, most iconic uh, killer opening ever of all time uh, with the, the wire kill is pretty amazing. And like, there's the rest of the movie, but after the kill, I mean, it's so good. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think we discussed that last week. That yeah, after the first scene, it's like oh, it's, it's it's okay.
2: It's okay, <laughs> but
0: it's not the same. I like that. That's, it's a, like, that's a hard act to live up to.
4: And it's, it's very true. This really pink like
2: credit text. It's yes. cute. Yeah. I love it. I, I love, love that it. title
0: card.
2: <laughs> 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 yeah, it's so like 1950s, like so like a uh, nuclear family ready to go and uh... Rosemary's babyish. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's awesome, John. What have you been watching this week?
3: Recently, rewatched, rewatched. What am I getting at? I finally watched for the first time uh, both of the original, original uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the nineteen fifty-six oh, nice. one, and then also the seventy-six one. I should have written the years down. I'm so sorry. No, that's um, it. You nailed it. <laughs> right on. <laughs> both first time watches for us. Like, I love the cinematography of that '70s Invasion of the Body Snatchers, but. I don't know. Maybe it's just because, like you know, the, the ending of that has been spoiled for me for twenty oh. years. They didn't land nearly as hard. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like the big point and scream. From I was the waiting street. for
2: it the whole movie.
3: <laughs> and I, I really, really enjoyed the fifties invasion of the body snatcher. I think it's because it took this angle where um, they didn't want to become the pod people because you would never experience love again. I don't know. It seemed like a more It spoke to me more, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Very sentimental.
0: (laughs) That's very sweet versus the alternative of, oh, man, what a simpler time that was.
3: Yeah. I think I I watched both of those on the Criterion channel as well if you're you're looking to check those out. Uh, They should still be both. Okay. Well, they are both available, but the 70s Invasion of the Body Snatchers will leave December 31st, and Criterion does this great thing where it tells you what's what's actually leaving the service.
4: I know. Which Which everybody should do. Oh, man. They should. (laughs) I, I guess that's, is that a hard thing to do? It might be because I remember a long time ago, like Shutter used to be better about this, and then they put all of the Nightmare and Elm Street ones. But I guess it's like a catch-all, and they put the documentary, which wasn't. Yep. And then oh. they kind of stopped <laughs> yeah. doing it for a while. I don't know.
3: Dang.
0: I but feel yeah I agree. Like <laughs> maybe I just noticed it on Pluto or Peacock. They were they had like a countdown. It was like fourteen days left to watch Mm -hmm. or something like. that. Yeah, but I've
4: seen that on like Tubi, where they they tell you when it's going to (laughs) leave, but then it never really seems to leave. Never, yeah, (laughs) like hey, this is going soon.
0: You're like, this
4: is going soon. You have five (laughs) days, and thirty days later, it's still there.
0: That's just good marketing to get people to watch it, right? Yeah, Yeah, that's true. true. Hmm. They did the same thing with Bram Stoker's Dracula on Shudder. They said it was going away, so I watched it, and it's still on there.
4: (laughs) Yeah, well. Criterion has their shit together, so thank you.
0: <laughs> awesome. You two watch anything else?
3: Uh, well, we recently rewatched the Rob Zombie Halloweens for an upcoming episode of the podcast. Actually, that was real fun to revisit.
0: <laughs> yeah, we—I ha- hadn't Spoilers.
3: watched
2: those. Yeah, I hadn't watched them since they—they'd come out, and I—I uh, I think I—I I had them a little more beloved in my memory. And now that we've revisited <laughs> them, I was just like. Yeah, I, I held those in higher esteem than I think I I feel about them now. <laughs> they
3: I I cannot disagree with Kim more about <laughs> Halloween 2. They're Halloween 2, very strange, odd. It it makes some silly decisions, but the opening of that movie is just like ah, like nope. so perfect.
2: No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> disagree.
0: <laughs> I don't think I've seen those since I saw them in the theater. Yeah, well, same you're gonna for us. You going to have to do that. Same. Yeah, I don't usually clamber to rewatch Rob Zombie stuff.
3: But I get that. Might be
0: worth it. <laughs> they're both
3: on they're both on Shutter right now, and as far as I can tell, they're not leaving anytime soon. So But who knows? Yeah. Oh really? They are? Uh, I didn't
0: okay. even realize they were on Shudder.
3: They're on Shutter in Canada. So Canada, have to yeah. Oh. That's, that's <laughs> the
0: that's the tricky. That's not fair. Minnesota is like right there. Should get <laughs> Canadian shutter too. What the hell? I say
2: that about American stuff too. Like our Netflix sucks for horror. Sucks.
0: Uh ours isn't much better.
2: Oh. Yeah. <laughs> well never mind.
0: Well we don't have
3: HBO Max and we don't have Hulu, so
1: Yeah, we don't have Hulu. Oh uh, yeah. So you don't sad. Have, oh my god. No. Yeah.
0: It's yeah. awful. That's just weird. Haven't she seen Palm Springs, sorry. haven't seen bad hair.
1: Yeah.
0: <gasps> I've heard well. nothing but good things, yeah.
2: <laughs> when COVID's <laughs> over though, like when the borders open up, we're just gonna drive across the border so we can catch up on all that content. <laughs>
0: Phones in your lap, just waiting to get a signal.
2: <laughs> We're ready. ready to go.
0: I'm ready for that. Meanwhile, light. they have
3: nice.
4: ketchup chips and coffee crisps, so I don't know what the better trade-off is. And all-dress
2: chips. A-,
3: a writer of ours posted a photo the other day with... Like, yeah, oh, got my party snacks ready to watch Joe Bob, and he had all dress chips. So they're available somewhere in middle America.
2: Oh, yeah.
4: those are like slowly getting easier to find. Ketchup, though, no. I want to try the ketchup Dorito ones. We t- we're we totally hijacking they're the so show good. into snacks.
2: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> they're K- so good. K- ketchup
3: Dorito is the gold standard. But they're like of a
2: limited chips. thing, they only come out like every couple years or so. So you have to like. Stock up on ketchup Doritos. It's like the
4: McRib of Doritos. <laughs> it
2: is the McRib of Doritos.
0: That's a bad comparison. <laughs> but
4: an accurate one. I'm not saying flavor-wise. Although I probably would try that, too. I'm sure so. it exists somewhere.
2: A McRib chip. chip. <laughs>
3: Not to continue hijacking this and making it about ketchup chips, but one year Doritos did do a promotion <laughs> <laughs> a promo campaign where you could order a dozen long stem roses for your boyfriend, but the tip of the rose was made out of Dorito chip.
1: Wow. And so it
2: was like a dorito bursary yeah. thing? Yeah. I mean, I wish I
3: had gotten it, but apparently somebody didn't love me that
2: year. Oh. <laughs> <Aww. laughs>
4: I have mixed emotions about this. On the one hand, I'm like that's probably overpriced, but on the other, I would eat the crap out of that.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, Zena, what have you been snacking on lately? Oh, wait, no. What um, have you been watching?
1: <laughs> okay, well, currently I'm drinking sparkling water. It's with lime. I'm trying to like spice up my life. You know, take it easy on, on the you Coca-Cola. don't need for
2: spice. <laughs>
1: Um, but I checked out the Mexican supernatural slasher horror Don't Panic on Blu-ray from 1988 and this movie just makes me want to dance. I don't know if that ever happened to you guys where you watch a movie and you just, you can't stop.
0: Isn't it obvious, Zena?
1: (laughs) On his 17th birthday Michael unwittingly Unlocks the evil forces of a Ouija board and from there a group of teens are stalked and killed by an evil spirit named Virgil I actually have a next-door neighbor named mr. Virgil, and he's a very nice guy so when I saw this it just made me laugh but This movie it is all types of cheesy. It's ridiculous, but I feel like that's what makes it fun and enjoyable and I know like a lot of people they, they were saying how, oh, it stole a lot from a nightmare on Elm Street, but I'm gonna say that it borrowed. Okay. Just just to be nice.
0: <laughs> it's an homage.
1: Yes. Is this like a vinegar syndrome Blu-ray by any Yes. Time? Okay.
4: I saw yeah, I think I, I blind ordered that.
1: Oh, okay. Well, I'm interested in your thoughts on that. But yeah, it is. Um, It's, it feels very Americanized, like with uh, the way they dress. And, you know, the dialogue is a little bit outrageous. Um, And also, there's like this 35 year old guy who's playing a 17 year old, but he's wearing like dinosaur pajamas for some reason, running yes. around the town. <laughs> I love like, it's old crazy. teenagers. Yeah. <laughs> And there's like unibrows, there's like raspberry color, like blood, and I don't know. I mean, there's more. There's like a lot of demons and stuff like that. But if you enjoy cheese, you may enjoy this movie. I had a lot of fun with it. So. And it made you want to dance. Yes.
0: <laughs> and if you if people remember how much Zena loves ice cream, man, this makes total sense.
1: <laughs> yes, see, it does. It's true. This could be my new ice cream man. Interesting. What about you, Megan? <laughs>
4: Um, I watched a bunch of stuff, but I wanted to talk about Hunter, Hunter because it's out this Friday <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> John's, John seen it. Um, I just feel not like this, John, no, obviously yeah. not
0: this, John, yeah, it's, it's come,
4: it comes out on VOD this Friday, um. And I feel like it's one that people are more likely to overlook, which is why I wanted to talk about this one. Uh, Because it looks like. Yeah. (laughs) We will get to your thoughts in a second. But (laughs) it um, it stars Devin Sawa as Joseph. He's like from a line of fur traders in a remote part of the woods with his wife, who's not really from that culture and his teen daughter that he's trying to raise in that culture. And there's like a rogue wolf on the prowl that keeps screwing up their traps, and people are not really paying for this way of life as much anymore, so they're they're kind of having a hard time surviving. And then... He goes on a hunt for days at a time, and they have no idea where he is. And then an injured man shows up, and shit goes crazy. So basically, it's this survival thriller that's super standard, kind of slow burn. You think you know where it's going to go. And then it turns into a visceral gut punch. It is the grimmest, most (laughs) hardcore ending I have seen in a long time. And I I love that. John, (laughs) thoughts?
3: I you you did such an incredible job describing this movie because everything good about it is is something that I didn't know about going in and yeah. I tw- twenty thirty minutes in thought I don't know I don't I don't really think this is for me and you're right like the end of this movie is absolutely worth sticking around for it's yes. one of the most wild finales that I've seen all year
4: absolutely I, I was ready to write it off and like yeah. It's well done. It's it's technically great, but I'm kind of bored. Holy rust and metal, Batman. What the fuck?
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was literally- it,
3: After it finished, rewound it, grabbed Kim, Made brought me her watch in the room, said, <laughs> sit down, you need to see this.
2: <laughs> so I have yeah, no context I, for the rest of the movie, but the ending, great. <laughs>
4: <laughs> the ending is amazing. I like literally texted my editor and was like, you need to watch this. And then he did. And all I got back was a vomit emoji. (laughs) So, so yeah, that's my recommendation. Don't sleep on it. Watch it. Just maybe prep comfort watch after because it's brutal. Your turn, John.
0: Damn. Uh, Well, I can't live up to that. Jesus. (laughs) Um, Based on a listener recommendation that was passed on to me uh, from Megan, someone had recommended I watch the Banshee chapter on Tubi. Um. I'd never heard of this before. I was definitely curious once I watched the trailer. So, journalist Anne Roland explores the disturbing link between her friend's sudden disappearance, an ominous government research chemical, and a disturbing radio broadcast of unknown origin. This one has me conflicted for a few reasons. One, it's, a, it's an interesting mix of a movie and found footage. Like it's shot with shaky cam, so you think phone footage, and there's a couple of scenes where it actually is phone footage, like footage that she's filmed of herself. And I got really confused through most of the movie, thinking that there was someone there with her watching what was going on, and there wasn't. So cool. that had me a little bit lost. Why they did it that way? Um, like I love number station stuff. Like that stuff fascinates me so much. Uh, MK Ultra like I, like all those old government experiments. I have no interest in conspiracy theories at all. I don't care what the answer is to any of these things, but they're really fascinating and really fun to just kind of like let your imagination go. And it, it definitely works in that way. Where it went off the rails for me is they blatantly use Hunter S. Thompson as a character in this. They don't call him Hunter S. Thompson. They call him Thomas. I think he's like Thomas something. I can't remember what his last name is. But they have him wearing Hawaiian shirts, he wears sunglasses inside, smoking cigarettes, rent like they show like the history of him, like shooting off guns and like crashing political rallies, and that he was this famed writer who would just get high on drugs. They directly pull quotes from him, like buy the ticket, take the ride, all these things to the point and I'm a very big Hunter S. Thompson fan. And normally I'd be like, All right, weird choice. Weird choice to insert Hunter S. Thompson as a character within your horror film. The bigger part is, and I'm going to say spoilers if you want to watch this. So, if you do want to watch it, fast forward two minutes. Because I'll, if I go more than two minutes, I'm going to upset myself. So, fast forward now if you want to watch it and don't want to be spoiled. His character shoots himself in the head at the end of it. So, he doesn't get, t- like, taken over. Hunter S. Thompson killed himself by shooting himself in the head. That's, uh, don't. Don't do that. Like, his suicide is is insanely tragic for any number of reasons. So to use that within a horror movie where you are clearly portraying Hunter S. Thompson, it, it's one of one of few times where I've actually watched a horror movie and thought that was that was pretty bad taste. But so beyond like just watching a movie and being like, wow, this movie was in bad taste <laughs> in general. Like that was a, I didn't agree with that decision at all, but. Fair, I'm also, but again, I'm a big Hunter S. Thompson fan.
4: See, I've seen it. and I never me, made that connection because I am not and, beyond fear and loathing in Las Vegas. I'm
0: no clue, and that's totally understandable. Yeah, if you don't know, I mean, it, it, it's on. I mean, to me, it's on par. If they had a musician, like a grunge musician, shoot himself in the head with a shotgun, or a famous writer living in San Juan moved back to or uh, Idaho and shooting himself, like it's just like one of those things where it's like I don't. Uh, he could have done something else, or it couldn't have been so clearly Hunter S. Thompson.
2: <laughs> like, this is a little um, poor taste.
0: <laughs> it, it, it was, yeah. And again, that's because I'm a fan, and I understand that people who are fans of any work are going to take things a lot harder. They're, they're going to pick it apart a lot more. Someone else might watch it and be like, it's not a big deal. They weren't trying to say it was him or anything like that. I totally understand Someone might watch this and be like, I loved it beginning to end. I didn't see an issue with it. That's cool. Me personally, bad taste. Um, But again, that's as a particular fan of his real-life character. Otherwise, I also liked it. I also (laughs) liked the movie. Like, I like... I like going down the, the, the number station route because number stations still exist. You can still find number stations where there's just these random patterns playing and people are like, what the hell is it for? And like, it's, there's, it's, it's its own mystique and lore to it. That's really cool to play with. And there's some genuinely good scares in it. Like that got me, like there was some really cool, like some of the footage that they show, they got me. I was like, oh damn, that was good. And went off the rails for me a little bit as a, yeah. as a particular fan. But I'd still recommend to watch it Um, because Ted Levine plays the Hunter S. Thompson character and Ted Levine is of the age where I'm sure he's also actually a huge Hunter S. Thompson fan. Hunter S. Thompson had a massive following with actors and singers, so it wouldn't surprise me at all if he felt like more he was playing an homage to the character. So it is what it is and I really like Ted Levine. I think he's a respected enough actor that... He can get away with it. Um, Maybe if it was someone I'd never heard of, I'd kind of be like, what are you doing? (laughs) Do you even know who this is? So my hope is that he did it more out of love for the character and inserting the character into horror than just um, exploitation of the event.
2: I'd like
4: to think there's a purpose. I mean, I I don't I'm not justifying it in any way. Maybe it's bad taste. But I'm curious. There's clearly a decision behind it. You know, like you were talking about the camera. Why does it feel like she's being observed? Well, isn't that part of the point? I mean, that they've opened through this like LSD mm. testing. They've opened this kind of from beyond doorway. And so, in a way, she is being watched. So I'm oh, thinking crap. that's
0: actually a good point. I'm thinking I didn't that think of it that way. No, I like that
4: there's there's probably a purpose, whether it's like justifies it or not. It, I don't know. Sure. but they probably he probably has some kind of intention behind it. So I'd know. be
0: really curious to to talk to, like, the the writer, director, hear his thoughts on, like, why he made certain choices. Because, like, my, I that didn't even occur to me, but now I could watch the movie again and be like, that's actually kind of awesome. That concept of it always feels like you as a spectator are watching, but is she being watched? And, like, that's the point that we're supposed to feel that way? Um, absolutely no clue whatsoever, but it's pretty good movie, all things considered. Okay. And it's, like, 90 minutes long, and it's on Tubi, <laughs> so it's free.
2: Woo-woo.
3: Yeah, I, I I really like Hunter S. Thompson. I just added it to my watch list. And on Letterboxd, you're not kidding. He, Ted Levine really, really looks like Hunter S. Thompson.
0: Uh-huh. Oh, top to bottom. Looks exactly like him. He's clearly Hunter S. Thompson. And really, to me, it was like they were trying to get... Uh, they decided to use a pop culture figure that it would make sense to have him be connected to the drug trade somehow. And I'm sure Joe Rogan probably would have sued versus the Hunter S. Thompson estate. But and maybe they did. I don't know. But um, no, it's it's not bad. It's worth a watch. And but, I'm sure plenty of people listening to this won't have the same reaction I did.
3: If it's not too much of a derail, because like uh, I I don't meet too many other people that are like really big Hunter S. Thompson fans. Um, mm-hmm. uh, what's your what's your favorite like collection of his or book?
0: Uh, my actual favorite collection is his Kentucky Derby, uh, letters. Right on. I mean, I love Fear and Loathing Las Vegas and Fear on the Campaign Trail and the Great Shark Hunt. Um, I love the Kentucky Derby ones. I mean, just him and Rolf Stedman, The fact that the story became about them, like it was—it was like the true, it was like the real originations of gonzo journalism. To the point that they were there to cover a story to, to to look at the excess and and the disgust of the this opulent lifestyle and culture and everything else. And they went so far that they became not only the story, but they became the thing they were disgusted with because they had become such caricatures of human beings. Um, I even watched uh, uh, a documentary about Hunter S. Thompson today just because. Right on. Um, like uh, Buy the Ticket, Take the Rides. Great. Gonzo, I think, is available on Amazon right now, and they're both great documentaries. But, yeah, no, it's he's a fascinating character. I think he's one of the most important writers of the 20th century. Totally, especially man. Especially bridging the 60s and 70s and bringing it into pop culture to the point where it still transcends today. I mean, that's... There's not a lot of writers that have that. That their persona has outlived them. Their writing, sure, but their personality even more so. So, but I could I could completely derail this show even yeah, more. I'm, I'm sorry for doing the like,
2: like, ketchup of chips, flavor. Like, so, so, yeah,
3: suddenly <laughs> I, I just want to start a Hunter S. Thompson podcast. But...
0: <laughs> <laughs> now, enough enough about. You know, ketchup-flavored chips and on ass stomps, and for the unexpected sure? twist, because we're quickly <laughs> approaching the end of the year and we have special guests. we want to look back at the best horror discoveries of 2020. Emphasis on discoveries. We know not everyone keeps up with recent stories like me, and that's okay. So what's the best horror of this year that's new to us? So Kimberly and John, what was your favorite release or discovery of this year?
2: So my big uh, discovery of the year, and you know, this one, this one's just mine alone because John had seen it previously. John was a huge fan uh, before introducing it to me. Uh, my first time watch of 2020 was Dracula 2000. Oh. Uh, the Gerard Butler starring, yeah. uh, hot leather, pleather pant wearing, <laughs> billowy shirt, Dracula. Um, I... Absolutely loved it. I thought it was super cheesy, super hokey, and just wonderful. Uh, it's, it's a modern day Dracula tale where he's awoken um, by a bunch of thieves in Van Helsing's lair. And he goes on a tear in, in New Orleans, and there's terribly, uh, uh, like, just wonderful Virgin Radio, pl- like, product placement everywhere so in the movie. <laughs> so oh, blatant. so good, though. Like, there's just shots t- angled just to spotlight Virgin Radio and Virgin Television and Virgin whatever else they had in 1999. I think she
0: works at a Virgin Records shop. She yes, sure does. she
2: does. And, um... Yeah, we follow the descendant of Van Helsing, who's um, Mary, who is our um, love interest, and Lucy, who becomes a bride of, of this Gerard Butler Dracula, and it's just wonderful. It's so super cheese, so of its time. Early 2000s horror is, like, totally my bag, and... Yeah, it's just bonkers.
3: <laughs> we we'd watched it on a service called Hoopla up here which is through our public library. Mm, but cool. it's not it's not there anymore and you know, that also varies like region by region. Uh, I know mm. that it's at the very least available on VOD so you can rent it wherever you'd like.
2: But yeah, I'm... check your local library. Yeah. How
0: <laughs> about <laughs> you, John?
3: My my discovery of uh, of 2020 is Maniac Cop 2. Uh, Directed by William Lustig, right? Oh, fuck. This movie was like such an incredible discovery. And I watched it before watching Maniac Cop 1 or 3. You know, I think I... I did too. I think that's the way to do it. Yeah. The, the the synopsis on Letterbox is terrible. It's uh, a, a supernatural maniac killer cop teams up with a Times Square serial killer. That's it. What kind of movie is that? Like that does that does not do the justice of like how rad the ch- car chase sequences in this movie are. Like there's like 30 minutes of this movie where the maniac cop is just on fire, fighting yeah. in a like at literal
2: fire. Oh, it's so so good.
3: <laughs> And also Maniac Cop, Maniac Cop 2 gave us some of the best taglines that have, have ever been put on a poster. Maniac Cop 1, you have the right to remain silent forever. And then in just like a genius twist, like not since Jaws 2 has there been a better tagline. Uh, you have the right to remain silent forever again. Come on. Are you not sold? This movie's is fucking rad. And bonus points, at least for this time of year, technically a Christmas movie.
0: So you can check that out, and Not I think all of the Maniac sure.
3: Cops are on Shutter right now, and I highly I encourage you so. to skip all mm-hmm. of them except Maniac Cop Two.
4: It is a I, cr- I, now. I have to remember what Maniac Cop Three. was. His first one was St. Patrick's Day, so the second yeah. one was uh, Christmas. What they was-
0: raised them to like fall in love, didn't they? Wasn't it? Yes, Valentine's? they did. Yeah, yes,
3: but
4: what, yes, oh, exactly. oh, Valentine's. Aww. That's right. It was like a very <laughs> Bride and Frankenstein. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
4: It's a very holiday. I mean, still stand series. by
0: pop. Popcorn has the best tagline. Buy a box, go home in a bag.
4: <laughs> yeah, anyway, well, ooh, Maniac Cop Two has an end credit rap.
0: <laughs> what? I don't remember that.
4: <laughs> you don't remember that? It's like its own end credit theme song. It gets any movie that does that gets like an extra boost. It's bonus points, as far as I'm concerned. No,
0: <laughs> they inspired Will Smith.
4: Yeah, he ripped for him sure. off
3: for sure. Waxworks Two, Maniac MC Cop Hammer? Two, MC yeah, Hammer with the uh, the Adams family. I think
4: yes, right?
0: the Adams Groove. See, oh, they still one was quote good some too. of that.
4: Like it it appeals to Zena's dancing nature, it's like leave
1: you (laughs) dancing.
0: All right, all right, Zena, what did you discover?
1: Um, it's not, I mean, I think think we all kind of discovered it when it aired, but uh, (laughs) I'm gonna go with something.
4: (laughs) She doesn't have a discovery, she has her favorite of the year.
0: That could be said of most things, yes, we all discovered (laughs) it when it airs.
1: Yeah, what was that? I don't know, okay. Um, I'm gonna go with Lovecraft Country. I had a hard time picking. At first I was going to go with um, 1BR which I really like loved or even after Midnight but when I think about Lovecraft it like really just gave me all the feels because it's intense it's scary it's thoughtful. Um, I feel like it's like a great mix. I don't know if you guys checked out like Watchmen. It's a mix between like the the Watchmen series and True Blood and True Blood, I know, know, back in the day, you know, (laughs) that was a great show, you know, so um, I just always think back to the first episode, and I felt like they kind of like set the tone for the entire series. The opening scene is like an actual nightmare, and, well, spoiler, and uh, the main (laughs) character, you know, he is seeing, he's haunted by ghosts of his past. There's, like, flying saucers, an octopus-like creature with scaly dragon wings. Um, There's a red alien girl coming down from the sky. Jackie Robinson appears with a bat, and there's green goo on him. And um, as the viewer, of course, it's just like, wait, what is this, right? You know? But then once you get to the end of the series, it kind of all, like, just ties together, and it's just kind of beautiful. But yeah, it uh, again, it's just it's scary. It's intense. Um, it'll make you feel sad sometimes. But it's one of the series where I'm not going to say that it was perfect because there were some things where it's just like, why? But um, that's that's what I like. I like when movies or series, you know, uh, stay with me for a while. So, yeah, that's 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 what I have. Nice.
0: nice. How about you, Megan? What did you discover?
4: Uh, Relic, which I've talked about on this show before, Um, which, you know, if you want to go looking for it, it's on VOD or Blu-ray, came out this summer. Um, it's on
3: Netflix in Canada.
4: It's on Netflix? I can see what? You got a better, better deal. It's not on Netflix for us. Dang. If you don't know what the plot is, it's a daughter, mother, and grandmother. They're haunted by the manifestation of dementia that consumes their family home. So it's Nat- Natalie, Erica, James... Uh, feature debut. It's definitely a slow burn. It's definitely heavy on the allegory versus a straightforward haunted house tale. Admittedly, I know it will not be for everyone, um, but for me, it literally came at a time in my life when I needed it the most. You know, Mm -hmm. I had just lost my dad to a horrible battle with cancer, and so I Mm -hmm. saw a lot of this stuff. Like, I recognized this stuff um, when I saw it at Sundance. I, the stages of grief, the Kind of being scared of your dad because you don't recognize him anymore, um, and you know, it was for Edna and her daughter and granddaughter same same thing. so yeah, I for me, it was just a very potent thing that shows how movies can be very personal. um, so love what you love. so yeah, that that was my favorite of the year. I did not mean to make anybody cry. <laughs> no.
0: So I was really excited for this because I get to say a 2020 movie and I think I've only watched 3 of those this year including this one. I was going to say Benson and Moorhead because I discovered Endless and Resolution this year and Spring. Ah, um, which you can still say I that. Wa- I and uh, that'll be my that'll be like my runner up. Well, not even runner up because they're so good, but I think this is better. And this was a combination of recommendations, so I had to watch anything for Jackson on Shudder. Mm-hmm. So, and and Megan talked about this already last week, and it, oh my god, like I I was watching it, and I'd watched the trailer, and Megan had talked about it, and 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 what kind of drew me in was that concept of dark comedy because I love dark comedy and horror. Mm-hmm. It really helps to smooth edges of potential subject matter or, or, or themes that I wouldn't necessarily want to watch, and like within the first five minutes of conversation, and they're talking. The guy's talking about the length of his slacks, and it's just the most casual thing in the world. And then a pregnant woman gets kidnapped, and it's this oh, this is long take. There's several really long single shot takes in the movie that I adore in movies like it's such a different level of commitment and cinematography and and vision and acting when you get those like really long three four five minute takes and I just I I absolutely adore it but the combination of the humor the the old couples acting the the portrayal of like the demons like was all just Per, like pitch perfect for me. Like I would probably put this in like my top 20 all-time horror movies. Dang. I love this one. Wow, so, oh, I love that's it. That's bold. It, it's so good. <laughs> it's not the funny thing is it's not not my top 20 comfort watches. That's a different. <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> okay. I don't necessarily always want to watch this, but it's pretty close to being on both. Like that Venn diagram that's a pretty close overlap. It it just it hit me in all the right spots. Like I love a really what's a good way of putting it just a uh just a really cinematic portrayal of hell for lack of a better term and we don't see hell in the movie per se but it's like glimpses of it and the ideas of it and what's gone wrong and what's kind of bleeding through into our world it is so good like this like it's up there for me like uh with as above so below's depiction of hell mm-hmm. just being in the darkness and, like, there's no one around. You hear voices. You have no idea what's going on. You're potentially stuck for an eternity just wandering a labyrinth of stone. Like, oh, my God, that's horrible. That's absolutely terrifying. That like, And it sticks with you. And I just loved it. Anything for Jackson on Shudder. Couldn't recommend it more. To the fact that I looked it up on IMDb and had, like, a six and a half, and I just wanted to swear at IMDb. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> that's really good six for a IMDb,
4: half. though. If it's a six it's so and above, it's, like amazing for imdb it's
0: so absurd it's so absurd (laughs) i don't think i've ever seen a seven
4: (laughs) i think i've seen it every once in a blue moon and it's something like the wolfman from 33 or something like that
3: (laughs) yeah yeah or or parasite something that's just like universally yeah
4: you you cannot diss it in any way
0: yeah you get like like the dark knight or shawshank redemption or something like that yeah
2: the early seasons of game of thrones (laughs) there you go (laughs)
0: <laughs> All right, enough about what we've wait, been wait, watching. Wait, Except for Megan... wait, wait.
4: What? I assume we what let's check that they don't have a brand like their favorite of 2020 because oh, okay. they did Discovery. They might have a favorite of 2020.
3: That's
0: true.
2: Should we do, do a, a 2020?
3: Oh, for sure. I mean, Go yeah. For it. <laughs> Kinda locked up if you want it.
2: Okay, so I thought I thought mine was gonna be a little bit cheating, but I'm really glad with Cena's pick because um my favorite for twenty twenty is the Dracula mini series. Uh Whoa. two Dracula picks. Yeah. The miniseries that first landed on the BBC and mm-hmm. is on Netflix, hopefully universally. It is on Canada. That was and, this uh, year.
4: This year has been five yeah, years long. Yes. Year. Right? So the first Whoa. episode
2: dropped on January first of t- of twenty twenty. Oh. oh. Yeah, man. so technically a 2020 Yeah, no, you're pick right it just like i said this year has been stretched to eternity all right cool
3: oh yeah when you when you mentioned after midnight as as being a 2020 release i had to do like a quick (laughs) (laughs) holy shit (laughs)
2: Um, But yeah, Dracula 2020, again, just another really interesting take on the the Dracula mythology. Um, My favorite in particular is the first episode where we're introduced to um, sister Agatha Van Helsing, which is the twist on the the Van Helsing character. She's a nun and she's so wonderful and just a fantastic take on Dracula. Uh, Clay Bang plays um, the Count himself and he's like super smooth, super like enigmatic and just charismatic and... Uh, he climbs out of a wolf at one point, and it's gooey yeah, and gross, does. and just <laughs> just kick ass. <laughs> That's an excellent call.
0: Awesome. How about you? Good how pick. about you, John?
3: Uh, my favorite movie of twenty twenty was Brandon Cronenberg's Possessor. Yes, a Ooh. super bleak, dark, existential crisis of a film. <laughs> uh, Letterbox has yeah,
0: been on top threes of like every list I've seen from this year. Yeah, I haven't. It's, seen it's also it yet. not a good
3: time. <laughs> don't, definitely, definitely don't watch it if you're not in the absolute right headspace for it because it's a it's going to leave an impression on you once it's over maybe it's a brain
2: know. bummer for sure yeah
3: oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's true it is a bummer uh, according to letterboxd uh, tessa voss an elite corporate assassin uses brain implement technology to take control of other people's bodies to terminate high profile targets as she sinks deeper into her latest assignment, Voss becomes entrapped inside the mind that threatens to obliterate her. It's like a body horror movie that tears the you apart psychologically. It's so great. And uh <laughs> every single thing that you see in this movie is done in camera, including the lighting and the effects. And there's a lot of like weird warping of images where the two of them are like they're they're two minds are struggling and fighting for survival inside of one body and like all of that is done practically and in camera and it's, it's just... It's a technological achievement, and it's. I could talk about this movie for days. Like, it's 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 got a great conversation about um, like identity and destroying yourself to become somebody else, or what other people see of you. It's it's pretty great. And, and for, I, don't, I don't want to say too much because I don't want to ruin it for Zena.
2: I love that mine was just like Dracula's cool, and you're like technological <laughs> achievements, <laughs> cerebral sci-fi. No.
0: <laughs> Did they use the exact same headgear in Possessor as they do in Videodrome? Man, it looks similar, right? Again. It looks the exact it looked like the exact same thing when I watched the Possessor
3: trailer. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, they look almost identical, yeah.
2: That's cute though.
0: <laughs> yeah, a little homage to dad. Well, Jennifer Jason oh,
4: yeah. Lee plays a big role. It's like existence oh, to really? possessor. Yes.
3: That's oh. a really good point. I didn't even think about that. Shit. So. Oh yeah, and that's uh, that's it's available on Blu-ray, DVD, VOD, wherever you wherever you get your movies. It's not on a streaming service yet, but um, I mean, you can probably find it at, at uh, Alamo on Demand because it is a neon movie. Yeah, awesome. good
0: stuff. So, Megan, is it okay if we move on?
4: Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> okay, thanks. <laughs> now,
0: enough about what we've been watching. It's time for Megan to bring us up to speed on the news and trending topics in the world of horror. So, what's going on, Megan? <laughs>
4: Gonna On the note of sci-fi horror, um, Neil Blomkamp made a secret movie during the lockdown. Mm-hmm. So he initially was going to uh, do some other sci-fi action thriller called The Inferno with Taylor Kitsch. But obviously lockdown kind of knocked that back to like 2021. So he decided to make his own movie um, so with the same studio, but just some small supernatural horror movie plot details are being kept under wraps um it was something that he filmed in canada the cast is largely made up of canadian actors said to be strong like sci-fi and vfx component which is really like what we care about especially when it comes from you know blonde camp um and yeah we don't really know much about it beyond that but it's his first movie in a while i don't know how you guys feel about blonde camp I've, I love District Nine, but I really haven't bothered with a lot of the other stuff. I liked his short stuff. Like if it's more in line with his shorts, then I'm very excited. So I don't know if I mean, you guys
0: have any. What he did with District Nine, I'm definitely curious. But, but I, right? I like, I didn't watch Elysium or um Chappie. Everybody loved Chappie. It, like, I didn't see Chappie. Yeah, Chappie. Did he one. star in like uh, like Open Grave or something like that?
4: Did he I star in it? it? I don't think he. I don't know. I only
2: know his. Yeah, he
0: did. I, can't I have
2: a, I have, a th- I have a theory though. This is, this is going to be Cloverfield lockdown.
3: You think so? Oh,
2: absolutely. Neil Blomkamp's so, Cloverfield. This is so like Cloverfield to do a, to do a lockdown movie. Are you kidding me? I think I'm, I'm putting, I'm putting chips on it now. It's going to be a Cloverfield <laughs> movie.
4: I think just the name alone, like people would be excited. But you know, he was supposed to do Alien, and that obviously never happens um so and he was
3: supposed to do robocop too right like it's, it seems like there's been nothing but like projects that have like fallen apart or dissolved in his hands so Aww, it's its I almost know. no surprise that he was like fuck it i'm making a sci-fi movie in vancouver
4: yeah which i'm I, good like don't even tie yourself to these previous properties give me something gnarly like the stuff that he does in his shorts like if you can turn that into a full feature cool so, yeah,
0: I agree. I'd love to see more of that. It's kind of like what we keep seeing with like James Wan and, and like he, he keeps getting tied to existing properties and remakes and things like that. And it's like I love just. Yeah, I love it when horror studios or financing or the creators, they have the faith to have something new mm-hmm. instead of doing reboots where the money is or or sequels or things like that or. If they can find the audience or if they can just find the financing so they make their money back and that's all they care about, all the better.
4: It's funny that you say that because the theme of this week's trending topics really has to be uh, about (laughs) how they're responding to the pandemic. So you have directors that are kind of sneaking off and doing low indie projects like Neil Blomkamp, or you have studios returning to properties like Disney announcing an alien TV series for Hulu to be set on Mm -hmm. Earth. So yeah. You cannot see John's face, but he is giving me the stink face. <laughs> like,
3: nah.
4: Yeah. So announced I mean, during the if Disney. It's gonna Investor be on, Day, on Disney Plus. I'm
0: just gonna watch Hamilton again instead. So,
4: it's not gonna fun. be on Disney Plus. It's not gonna be on Disney Plus. It's gonna be on Hulu because it's like a Fox thing and yeah, I don't know that they're really going to throw that no, on weird. to Disney+. Plus, so it's it's going to be for Hulu. No. Um, so they announced it during their I'll Disney... I'll probably still Inves-
0: watch Hamilton again instead.
4: Yeah, <laughs> you're going to do that regardless.
0: Yeah, I did today.
4: <laughs> We're not surprised. Um, so yeah, they announced this during Disney Investor Day, uh, that they're working on a, tel- a television series set within the U- Alien Universe for FX slash Hulu. So it'll be on Hulu, but like FX. So... Canadians can still watch it is what I'm saying. (laughs) Um, But Noah Hawley is developing the series. So Noah Hawley did, uh, he was the creator behind the Legion series and the Fargo TV series. Mm -hmm. So he'd been talking about pitching an alien series to FX for a while now. So clearly this is something he's very passionate about. Uh, Didn't seem like the project was going anywhere until surprise Disney investor day. Um, FX teases to expect a scary thrill ride set not too far in the future here on earth. By blending both the timeless horror of the first alien film with the nonstop action of the second, it's going to be scary thrill ride that will blow people back in their seats. That is a bold claim for a TV show meant to be watched on the couch. Um, Ridley Scott is in talks to come on board as executive producer. And it should be noted that like this is Disney's first attempt to do anything with the universe since acquiring Fox. So that's a whole lot. There's no plot. There's not much else to go on. Uh, what is he wanting to do? I mean, Ridley Scott isn't even so much involved yet. I guess he could potentially, but clearly this is an idea that Holly's like super excited and has been trying to get off the ground for a while. But mm-hmm. it's set on Earth. Are we yeah, stepping
2: away from interesting? You know, yeah, Earth say, is that's-
1: throwing me. No, I was just saying, I I think there's... I don't know why I screamed. Um, I think (laughs) it's interesting that...
0: (laughs) It wouldn't be an episode if you didn't make a couple of extra noises, you know. That's true.
1: (laughs) I I think it's pretty interesting that it's taking place on Earth, but kind of like what you said, Megan, exactly what is it going to be about? What are they going to do at this point? I mean, I'm not trying to sound like a, a nag. I'm just... When was the original Alien
4: set? Was that, like, in the past? Our past... Or, in, no, it was a way future, right?
0: It was way future. Way yeah. future. This I don't is... think it was way, way future. I felt it was like 2070 or something. Because
4: this is a not too far future. So it's like, where in the timeline could this be? Could it be a Xenomorph free show? But then, yeah, I don't know. Uh... Yeah, yeah, I mean, I feel <laughs> like. a
2: <was> Xenomorph free show?
4: <laughs> it, it would be weird. But at the same time, what else could they do with it? Unless they alien isolation it. I would be on board to see that. In TV form with Ripley's daughter.
3: Mm.
4: I don't know. Obviously. Yeah, it's, it's
3: hard. Like, the, I mean, it could just as easily be set at the same time period as Alien, as the first alien, uh, which is for now is not that far in the future for us, I guess. Yeah. Um, and it could be something that's happening on Earth while these, they're getting weird messages from, uh, from that. Or there could
0: the have been there. like a second ship that went to LV, whatever the planet.
4: 426. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that just ended up on the same one, but they ended up making it home, and they got one of the eggs or something. Maybe it's completely out of
4: left field, and we have some Waylon yutani in the mountains of madness stuff. I don't know.
0: That'd be interesting.
3: Has anybody watched Fargo?
4: I have not, and I need to.
3: (laughs) Just season
0: one.
4: It's good?
3: Yeah. Um, I, 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 would say that the first season is probably the least interesting because it really follows the plot of the movie, but like Noah Hawley does like some really, really interesting stuff in season, season two and four specifically, where I, I have confidence in him as a writer yeah. and, and as a creator of something that's based on an original property. Um, because what he does with the like Coen brothers universe to make new stories is like, super impressive, but so, I don't know. So, it, it, like, it, just because he was really good at Fargo doesn't mean he's going to be really good at making an alien. Those are thing, two
2: entirely different. Yeah, things. I so, know. Like,
3: well, I'm it's... over here, fingers crossed. You know? Yeah,
4: I mean, I've seen Legion, and that's some pretty out there stuff. I think it's the most feel... insane, like, superhero stuff I've ever seen. Mind bending, trippy. There's dance offs. It's it's a crazy show. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I guess obviously, like most things, we will see. Um And yeah. in more reboot news, this is bizarre. HBO has decided to reboot True Blood. So based on the novels by Charlene Harris and created by Alan Ball, HBO's True Blood initially aired between 2008 and 2014, coming to an end after seven seasons and 80 episodes. I don't know if maybe they were inspired by Dexter's recent revival, but they are already rebooting the series. This time, uh, Roberto Aguirre-Sacasa, he's the uh, creator behind Riverdale, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, he will be at the helm. He's set to write okay. the, yeah. He's set to write the pilot. <laughs> this, this makes sense. <laughs> yeah, he's set to write the pilot uh, with Jamie O'Brien. She did uh, AMC's Nosferatu, and then they will executive produce with Ball. So Alan Ball is going to be involved in this reboot. So he's Agarra Sakasa is definitely becoming a very busy person when it comes to kind of genre TV. So he's already recently been announced to do a Pretty Little Liars reboot for HBO Max, and he's still doing Riverdale with CW. I know Chilling Adventures is coming to an end at the end of the month, so yeah, I just think that's an interesting idea. This show has hard like it, it's been less than a decade. So it's still fairly fresh in people's mind. Most people you talk to these days hate the show. Like, it started out great, <laughs> and then it turned into, you know, I, I remember watching it, and I can't even remember how bad it got because it kind of stopped paying attention. The only thing I remember is, like, sookie. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know yeah. if anybody has any thoughts on this, but it's a very odd move. Um-
1: I have a lot of thoughts because wait, wait about there. <laughs> I, I used to really love the show and kind of like what you said I think I probably stopped watching maybe season three or four I don't remember I don't remember even why to be honest with you and even if I didn't like it I can't even tell you I don't remember why so what I find just exhausting. Is that every single time we turn around, they're kind of like rebooting something. And kind of like what you said, it's like, it's been less than a decade. And then even with Pretty Little Liars, we finally found out who A was. And you want to (laughs) put us through this again? Like, I don't think I can take it. And then, no offense, but I don't know if you guys ever watched Riverdale. But that show, like, okay, the first season was great. The second season, there's something real wonky going on with the dialogue and stuff. And it's just like, it's it's a little bit awkward and kind of cringeworthy, you know? So, I mean, I'm not trying to like say, oh, this is going to be terrible, but it's just like, okay, is it going to pick up from Sookie's point of view? Or is it going to be a completely different girl outside of Sookie? What's happening? And then also on top of that, Okay, never mind. That's going down a rabbit hole. I'll, that's <laughs> that's my thoughts on that. So I'm just a little bit you unsure. You're very passionate about this. <laughs> All I will
4: add is that I'm glad he's keeping busy with TV, but he started in comic books. Like, the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina comic books and The Afterlife with Archie were amazing. That if you could stop and finish what you started, I would appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, we'll, we'll see. Ooh. We'll see. I know. I This sounded way harsh. But I just, I want my comic books to finish because they are, it's so very different than what the TV show ended up being. So mm-hmm. he left on a cliffhanger. And the TV show doesn't answer what was happening in the storylines in the comic. So, you know, find Comics can be
3: soul-crushing like that where you wait four years for, like, two more issues to close off yeah. a, to close off an arc and it's like I don't know why I had to wait this long I don't even remember what these characters look like anymore I don't like even anymore. want these
2: pages <laughs>
4: Yeah and he's at this rate he's never going to go back cuz he's like fully invested in TV and I I'm glad for you because clearly you are you are very successful and you're getting warmed up but that that means bad news for my comics which is oh so grown up thing to say I want my comics <laughs> <laughs>
3: Hey, if you're an adult and you're not reading comic books, you got to grow up.
4: (laughs) (laughs) So, the thing is, if they're not sneaking off during the pandemic to do their own independent thing, they're rebooting, or they're doing slashers. we got a bit of a slasher craze. So, two quick bites. um, They tapped a director for the pilot episode of the I Know What You Did Last Summer series, which is being produced by James Wan. It is uh, Craig... McNeil, who has done Channel Zero, Candle Cove, Castle Rock, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, and Nosferatu. So, hey, we could probably see him on the True Blood reboot, too. And then Mm. David Gordon Green recently promised that Halloween Kills will feature twice the thrills and ten times the kills of Halloween 2018. I only mention this because I thought it was a fun topic. It's very hyperbolic, clearly meant to hype people up but if we are being literal that means that i mean cuz 2018's halloween had a kill count of 17 so if it really does have 10 times the kills 17 yeah so if it really does i'm i'm i need a tally because that's 170 has there <laughs> ever has there ever been a slasher that has had a death toll of 170 i know like the collect it was it collector Collect no collection had like that really oh, gruesome yeah, the collection
0: they, they wiped out a dance floor yeah that but i
4: mean awesome. is that 170 would you want no. a slasher that's 170 like what maybe michael myers takes down a
2: plane <laughs> a yeah plane
3: <laughs> so actually there's a quick little shot of anthony michael hall as tommy doyle like leading like a mob uh in so like all he really has to do is just like I don't know, drop hot wax on that mob and hot
2: wax? <laughs> I don't know. First <laughs> That's a Myers move? I didn't want to say
3: drive a truck through them. It sounded like that, you know, like unfortunately we still have to He does drive.
0: I he think does. Cross genres there.
4: <laughs> so yeah. I don't know. I don't know how you guys feel about Halloween or a Halloween sequel, or you know, if if a high body count even matters to you in a slasher.
0: For the second it's, one? It's mm. it's quality over quantity for me. You know, like good kills. Like, what? What's the? What's is it? Um, is it Valentine's Day? Was that the name of the? Or Valentine?
4: Valentine was the my with the David Boreanaz.
0: The yeah, with like the baby mask or whatever. Didn't like the movie. Thought they were great kills.
4: So a kill, kill could could make a difference.
0: (laughs) A kill could make a difference, but just because you have more kills doesn't make it better. Like if you if they're good kills, sure, why not? But just. For the sake of having them, I feel like it'd be a little bit like, all right, so Michael Myers turns into John Wick now. Okay. I'm into it. I'm kind of into that. I mean, sounds like a
4: good time. If anybody is listening, we might want that.
2: (laughs) Kind of sold.
0: (laughs) Copyright trademark. Call me. (laughs) Be disgusting podcast at gmail.com. All right, right, listeners, your turn. You excited for uh, pretty much anything that we've just talked about? well call us and this time we're actually going to play our messages um nothing personal but you know john and kimberly just took precedence this week sorry guys
4: just throw them under the bus it's those
0: canadians (laughs) they're always they're sneaky (laughs) phone numbers 224-475-1040 numbers in the show notes we'll play our favorite message or messages top of next week episode i promise please limit yourself to one question or comment per call and finally If you're anything like us, you spend all your time watching movies and streaming them on Shutter, Netflix, Amazon, and all the Canadian alternatives. So you need a little bit of help to keep your indecisiveness at a minimum. So Zena's going to clue us in on what we should be watching. So Zena, what should we be watching?
1: Okay, so we have about six movies coming our way this week. So let's start with Tuesday the 15th. First up, The Hex on DVD. And this film, a grieving British girl unravels her murdered mother's secrets connected to a South African witch doctor's curse. And we previously spoke about this one, The Dark and the Wicked. It will be available on DVD as well as The Curse of Hobbs House. Um, If you are a lover of zombies, you may dig this one. And also on DVD, The Wolf of Snow Hollow. Um, I haven't checked this one out, but I've heard some great things about it. Plus, the poster looks pretty cool. I don't know. I'm a sucker for posters. And then uh, last on Tuesday, The Beach House will be available on VOD. And Megan previously spoke about this one. So this one's coming out on Friday the 18th, Hunter Hunter on VOD. And as always, Bloody Disgusting TV.
0: All right, good. Again, you can, checks in the mail. And that's a Bloody Disgusting Podcast for this week, everyone. If you'd like to read more from Kimberly and John, be sure to check out nofspodcast.com and on Twitter at KimmyKillZombie and at John on a string. You can find Megan on BloodyDisgusting.com. And Twitter, at Haunted Meg. Xena can be found on her own site, realqueenofhorror.com, and the YouTube channel of the same name, or at Lovely Xena on Twitter. And you can hear me on my weekly horror narration podcast, Creepy. <gasps> I did that in one breath. Good I'm job. Free. So <laughs> Don't forget to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app, and feel free to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, at Bloody Disgusting Pod, or drop us an email at bedisgustingpodcast at gmail.com. So for this week, I want to quick thank John and Kim for joining us from Nightmare on Film Street.
3: Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having us.
0: And maybe you can hear us on their show. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm John.
1: I'm Megan. I'm Xenol.
3: I'm also John.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm Kim.
0: (laughs) Grab some popcorn, cozy up on the couch and watch Something You Love. Just make sure it's something bloody.